into an action-packed football night in Chicago, monster style. It's game time for Chicago's most fun, most fun sports podcast, Chicago Sports Podcast, Monsters of the Madhouse, brought to you by TC's World of Wonders, Budget Car, Budget Jet Cars, and Serendipity Ice Cream Parlor. Folks, without further ado, let's say hello to the monsters. We've got Brandon Trax Hyatt, the Doc Brown and inventor of CSP, Mike the Foz, Foz now host of the Hot New Bears fancast, first and ten with Foz, and the great American football fan, Matt the Coopman Cooper, afternoon afternoon host of Louisville's top rate country station, Q103.1 FM. Gentlemen, how we doing tonight, guys? Doing great. Good, Cleet. How are you, great, my friend? Good guys, good guys. Yes, keeping a keeping a slight bit of sanity in the uh, madness of March. How's uh, how's everybody's brackets looking, fellas? <laughs> From day one, I think everyone's bracket was just completely done. I yeah, mean, I threw mine away. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I buried mine officially. Uh, I, I, you know, we, uh, we, we gave the last rights to it about Thursday night at seven o'clock. Officially buried it about Thursday at eight o'clock <laughs> after after Purdue a lot le- left us off. But um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a fun time of year. Uh, so much stuff going on, and we are going to touch, uh, folks. We got you covered. All things Chicago Bears tonight. We hope to be joined here soon by one of the all-time great Bears, the three-time All-Pro uh, defensive tackle, Tommy Harris, who has a very uh, inspiring new mem- uh, memoir out called The Durer, playing through life's hardest hits. Uh, so uh, hope to have him. Top of the hour, folks, we will have the editor-in-chief, the man in the know, Lester, the professor, Wolf on, of, of one of the uh, – the guy, the guy if you're looking for anybody – to keep you uh, up to date on what's going with the Chicago Bears. Uh, we will have Lester in the house at 8 o'clock. Um, but while we wait for the guys to join us, fellas, let's uh, kind of get your thoughts um, kind of where the Bears are standing. We're going to touch base with uh, with Lester and, and also with Tommy on this uh, as we get going, too. After the first wave of free agency, if you had to give Ryan Poles a grade, boys, on where we stand right now, where do you give him A to F on how he's re- redesigning this uh, this roster? I personally would give him – man, that's a tough call because, you know, a lot of times you don't really see what's going to happen down the road as far as, you know, the, the secondary wave of free agents uh, come off and then are there going to be some trades uh, later on. And, and all of that. And then also, you know, after, after the draft to see the whole team kind of come together, you know, and, and see before and after I can tell you right now, personally, just where we're at from today's date to last year's date, same date and time, you know, with everything going on, I think we're worlds apart. But uh, I also think a lot of that had to do with the fact that his hands were kind of tied going into it, not having any money and having all these, balloon contracts and whatnot uh wouldn't you say so yeah i mean as far as grade wise i'd probably give him a b right now i think i like him when he signed i was a little bit off about foreman and homer not sure what they're doing with the running back situation you're going to keep herbert rb1 is eckler still in the question down the road are we still going to do something down the road like track said there's still time to go uh really like that um we only got Nate Davis at the old line, though. We need so much more there. I would have liked to see like a big yeah. Orlando Brown signing or that big dude from Jacksonville. I know Coop, you liked him a lot too. Um, I would have saw, like to see a big pickup like that. I think um, going into the draft now next month, unless we pick up another big old lineman, 
how do you not go first round either Paris Johnson or um, um, Skrinsky from Northwestern? I mean, you can't go defensive end first round and leave those gaps, especially with uh, Jenkins being questionable like he is all the time. So uh, still a lot of work to do with protecting fields, but um, hopefully Poles has the plan going into the draft. Yeah, uh, Clint, uh, to what you were saying there, I don't, it's hard to give a grade, I guess, right now, because I think I was talking about this when we, the start of free agency. I wasn't necessarily impressed with this free agent class in general. I thought it was average at best, maybe. And I'm kind of glad that Ryan Poles didn't overspend for some of these guys. Like, I think Orlando Brown, he's a good player, but I think the Bengals might have overspent for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, I kind of look at our their spending and – I was like, well, maybe they did probably should go after a tackle or maybe a little bit more help on the D line. We got some great linebackers, which is awesome. Yeah, we need yeah. Listen, we need help everywhere. There's help that needed everywhere. So any move that they made was still a lot up. of holes to be yeah. filled. Yeah. For but sure. at the same time, when you build from, I mean, we always bring the Detroit Lions up, for example. Look what they've done here the last couple of years. They've built from their offensive line, their defensive line, and kind of branched out. Look at that team right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and they've got players that that are signing there. They have signing there because they want to play there. That how when, when the hell did we hear that before? Like we like yeah. nobody wanted to go play for the Lions. So I like how they did it. I do like what they've done right now, and I think I think we've got some good players involved. But I still think it's fairly not over yet. And uh, I'm just kind of looking ahead at the draft here. I, I like Johnson a lot. Um, yeah, in, yeah. In the draft. I, I I mean, if I if I had one of my picks, I think that that's who I would be leaning for yeah. right now. The number nine pick. Teammates but, um, with uh, Fields, too, so they have history right, together. That, yeah. I, that's what I see. But I would say B plus, A minus, because I do think that he signed some really good players in, in the free agency. And, and the trade, we can't forget about the trade, too. So all that together, yeah, I think yeah. he's done a very good job. Yeah, without question, guys. I, I'm kind of right in the same lines, right around A minus, B plus. You know, Foz, I love how you're thinking about targeting Paris Johnson at that number nine spot if he's there. I mean, we're talking about a six foot six, 313-pounder, with 36, 36 yeah. inch arm. I mean, he has, it seems like he has all the physical tools. Yeah. And like and I was it, just saying to Coop, I mean, they're teammates. They know each other. They have that camaraderie mm-hmm. and that history together, which to me personally, I believe that's humongous in sports, having that camaraderie amongst one another. Yeah. So they know each other. They know each other's moves, how they think. Um, they can read off each other. So, I mean, that coming into it's very key. Um, so I'd like to see Paris Johnson go number one. Um, I may not have said that if the Bears would have landed a big O-lineman so far in free agency, but given the fact they haven't and we just got Nate Davis, how do, how do you go defensive end first round? Especially who knows what's going to happen with Jalen Carter now. I mean, there are talks about him making it to number nine. So um, what do you do at that point when you have Jalen Carter available, but you need that big O-line? Like, yeah. Uh, without picking up a big old line, the Bears might have put themselves in a tough situation there. You know, and you bring up a great point, Fazer. If I could get tracks, Coop, your thoughts on this as well. Do you think Ryan's decision not to pursue pursue Orlando Brown Jr., who have obviously the biggest free agent offensive line prize in the market? Number one, obviously, I'm sure the price tag didn't fit to, for what Ryan wanted to spend. But also, do you think he didn't see him as a good scheme fit for the Bears run zone offense? That's exactly what it was. Uh, there is an article from Windy City Gridiron, and uh, our guest is here now. Let me get him on. Tommy! Oh, what's up, sir? What's, what's up, Tommy? Pete? Hey, Tommy, how are you? Lot. That was a lot. Welcome, my friend. Good. That was a lot harder than I expected to get in here. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight is the definition of Chicago Bears tough. He's one of the greatest defensive tackles in Bears history. He thrilled generations and legions of Chicago Bears fans with his tougher-than-a-truck, hard-hitting, awful, all-in, soulful playing style that stopped opponents on a dime. Former University of Oklahoma coach Bob, Bob Stoops calls him one of the greatest players I've ever coached. He's the three-time All-Pro, the two-time Oklahoma Sooner All-American, and co-author of his very moving and inspiring best-selling memoir, Endure, Playing Through Life's Hardest Hits. Ladies and gentlemen, let's please welcome Tommy Harris to the Madhouse. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's great to see you. Um, you're looking great. Um, yeah, how, uh, how are you doing these days? Hey, well, man, I'm doing my best, bro. You know, to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's half the battle right there. And, you know, Tommy, you know, here we are in draft season, you know, and as you see today's NFL prospects getting ready for the draft, does it take you back 19 years ago to 2004 when you were preparing to launch your NFL career? Uh, it, it just, it, it's a, it's a special time for me because my draft is always the birth. My birthday is always on the draft. Oh, really? Oh, like, nice. I never forget. And my uh, <laughs> used to always be April 29th. And uh, it's just a special moment, man. And and I, I, I just wish it's so hard to tell the guys how how much they should appreciate this moment. And afterwards, it's easy to understand it. But when old guy used to talk to us when we were in the moment, you could hear them, but you you like be quiet, man. It's my moment. Let me have. It. So if it got. <laughs> I just really want them to soak it in, get quiet, get still, look around, and just really take that moment in with the with your parents, with all the people that that paved the way and help you get get to this defining moment. To just really not take it for granted, not one day of it, and just really count yourself fortunate, man. Out of all the people in the world, to be able to have your name said in front of the world is a great opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for these young men. And you know, what is the most essential thing an NFL draft prospect could do, Tommy, to increase their draft stock, capital, and position with teams? You know, in the weeks leading up to the draft. Stay off of social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not racing cars. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I think to just get us quiet, you know, and um, stay out the way. The NFL doesn't like anything loud. You mm -hmm. know, they try to stay away. They try to control the sound of it. But you just can't be louder than the league. And just stay in your perspective places and, and show the guys that you're in shape. That when, you, when your name is called, it's nothing worse than picking something that don't look like what is picked. Like, <laughs> that's not the first pick. He doesn't gain all his weight, so – just make sure you stay in shape and, and stay prepared for the moment. You know, Tommy, when you were getting yourself ready for the draft and you come from a big university and uh, uh, you got yourself ready, you have a great coach that's getting yourself ready for the draft and maybe some other people around you, what is something that you expected when you went in, but what is something that maybe caught you off guard a little bit, uh, something that maybe you weren't expecting from a coach or something at the combine or a question that was asked for you when, when you were preparing yourself for the draft or preparing yourself at the combine? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't know how intimate the interviews would be, how personal uh, the coaches, uh, the questions they were asked. They would go back to your childhood 
And, and what it really comes down to is that it, it, you're really – I didn't understand I was doing a job interview. I thought it was just this little game of football, but I was really interviewing for a position that was paying millions of dollars. And the investors wanted to know that their money was going into a good place. And that's all it's about. If guys can understand that at an earlier age and really understand that they're going into show business, and this is no longer that little game from football that mom brings Capri Suns to. <laughs> but this is a game that the people will talk bad about you when your performance is not up to par. Um, people will throw stuff at you. Um, you will be the bad dog if you go for your contract sometimes over what the team needs. So you're going in the show business and you better make sure that you have your pit crew ready, the people around your financial team, your marketing team, your rehab rehabilitation team, your media team. You got to have all the proper people in this game now because it's show business. Yeah. So right before you jumped on, Tommy, we were talking about, um, Bright schemes for the Bears, people who didn't fit. We were talking about the passing of uh, Orlando Brown from Kansas City and how they said he didn't fit into the scheme, things of that nature now. Playing with, like, Alex Brown, Adewale, Mark Anderson, Spice. Like, you guys had that camaraderie on the field. How important is that for success as far as you guys all being on the same team, all being on the same page and having that flow together? Well, I think because of the scheme we ran, that was the only way it could work. Right. Like a playing in a cover, two is like being in an orchestra. Right. Uh, everyone has to play their part in order to sound like a, 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 a incredible song or, you know, it, it's it, it, it has to. I had to take care of that A to B gap. Erlacher um, uh, knew he had the A gap on the other side and then he had the seams and Peanut Tillman know he had the slants keeping everything inside. We just knew where to be. And we, everyone, if you knew where a run busted or a play over the top, in our in our scheme we ran, we pretty much knew off rip. We didn't have to wait to film study or to see the sheet. You knew what, what had to go wrong in order for that to happen. How long did that take, Tommy? I mean, did that just happen overnight uh, because you're all superstars and you're a pro caliber uh, player right off the rip? Or did it take uh, – a little while to buy into the culture and, and each player and know the nuances. Well, well, you know, Brian might be a little weak over here, so I got to cover him and vice versa, or I need to help Izzy out over at the B gap and he's going to hit me up at the C gap. Cause I'm a little weak on the outside, whatever, not saying you're, you're you were uh, just, you know, throwing some uh, possibilities out there. You know what I'm saying? How long does all that take for you guys to really gel and play like a full real game of your, your top potential? Well, it just it's really how serious the guys are about being good at their instruments or, or how, how much practice do you want to come to. Mm. And for us, the Bears, they end up drafting me. I just switch uniforms, right? Like in, in Oklahoma University, we ran cover two. And the whole defensive package was the same. The plays were the same. Everything was the same. I just switch uniforms. So getting in there I think is very important it speaks on the general manager the, who's managing the team on what they bring to when when different people are leaving a group or a team, per se. Uh, it's, it's very important who you can bring in, who can play right on key or who can get in right in there. Or it's going to take a while to fill the seats in the symphony. 
like Tommy's that. all about that music, and I like it. Well, I like it a lot. <laughs> um, so we were talking about the draft picks, uh, what they've done in free agency so far um, this year. Um, curious from your perspective, I mean, you played with some of the greatest beers leaders of all time, obviously, with Peanut and uh, Erlacher and uh, Briggs, things of that nature. Are the Bears still missing that key leader on the defense right now? Do we have them right now, or uh, we still out there searching? I don't know. <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you guys, I, I really – man, I, I've seen the moves and what they're doing, and I don't really know any of the guys. I have, I've really been caught up in my own life and fatherhood and – so I, I I'm really ashamed sometimes to hear guys. I, I'm like, please don't ask me. <laughs> I just don't know. You know what I mean? I just see these guys are making big moves, and at the end of the day, everyone keep asking me how the Bears are going to be, and I keep telling them that they got to play the game. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. want to go to the game is play. I'm not one of those people. I don't know how to talk before we do the. Let's see what these guys do, and then we can bring up some verbiage on if they're good or not. But right now, just putting the right guys and names on paper is not a – we can play G.I. Joe's all day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, when they, it's when it's time to go to work. And, and I like to see after their first preseason game what they look like. Yeah. No disrespect to the defensive line that we have right now, but for what it's worth, everybody's saying – we don't have that Tommy Harris yet because how important is it that we're starting to cultivate and get these defensive backs? We're starting to get these linebackers in. How important is it for guys like you to do your job in order for that cover two to truly fire the right way? Well, we're we're like the 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 cover the cover two defense. The under tackle is the ignition. That's what gets everything started. That that speeds up the play, slows down the play. That guy gets everything. It could rush. That could change the difference from a quarterback taking three seconds to two seconds to shorten up routes to the under tackle is a very disruptive person. And if he's not making the play, he's usually disrupting blocking schemes. So you and you have to find that person. They're going cover two, right? Yes. That's what I heard. And then I saw this young kid out of USC. He looked he looked pretty good. I like the kid from Alabama too, but I don't think we have a shot at him. Yeah, I like the kid from USC too. Yeah, but I just think it's important to to make sure uh, you have the right components, right? It, like it's it's hard having a, a, a under tackle and then having a lockdown corner because those kind of offset the knee. You know, you can have a subpar rusher with a lockdown corner because they're going to offset times. But you can have an under tackle and then an offset corner, one on one corner, and that's kind. Of, they can speed up. To, they can be off in timing, you know. So uh, cover two is really like watching poetry in motion if it's done right. Yeah. You know, Tommy, you were a quick study right out of the bat. You opened. You had uh, all rookie two thousand four pro, pro football weekly. Uh, uh, you scored three consecutive Pro Bowl selections from twenty oh five to oh seven. But for you, with as fast as this game is, and as, as fast as it's getting each season, what is the hardest part about playing defensive tackle in the National Football League? The hardest part about playing defensive tackle, and uh, I mean, I don't know if it's hard. It just comes with the job. It's dirty down there, and you you have to yeah. you. Sometimes you're disguising, and sometimes you're getting jumped. 
You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. you're meant to get jumped and sometimes you can't stop getting jumped. But you hope that when you're getting jumped on, it opens up success for the other guys around you. Mm -hmm. But the main key of a three technique is to be disruptive. If you're not being disruptive, you got to be making the play. Did our offensive line the way that it was? Because we've had a couple offensive linemen from back in your day on, on our uh, podcast because of how good they were and how well they played. Did that make you better as a player, would you say? Yeah, I mean, being able to go against Olin Cruz and Reuben Brown every day and Roberto Garza, I mean, those interior guys, that, that was like a seasoned group of guys that uh, they taught it. And we, we iron sharper nine, right? We challenge each other every day. But being able to go against them and how smart – Olin Cruz is so smart. He taught me a lot about listening to the game opposed to just seeing it, but listening. And a lot of keys are given away if you just listen. So um, just being a student of the game, those guys sharpen us and we sharpen Folks, we are busy with the great Tommy Harris, Bears All-Pro defensive tackle here on Chicago Sports Podcast, Monsters of the Madhouse. Uh, Tommy, uh, you have a very powerful book out, Endure, um, Overcoming Life's Hardest Hits. Uh, for, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Playing Through Life's Hardest Hits. Um, Tommy, can you kind of talk uh, a little bit about your, your life is a story of resilience, so faith, courage, and perseverance and endurance. Um what message do you have maybe for, our, for our viewers tonight, for anyone who might be going through hard times? Well, you know, hard times don't laugh. Tough people do. Yeah. And uh, that, that saying really speaks values to, as I mature as a man, is just learning that sometimes um, life can be suffering. But I recognize that this suffering sometimes brings you to this salvation, like a peace, a place of real peace that, that that at this point in my life I've I've had a couple losses but that's I've learned that you can't make it out of life alive so this this is a tough thing that comes with a part of life but it's also learning that what I've lived through it, it's it's a part of my life that I have to encourage other people not to quit because it's not grief is not something everyone does they can't get through it and I had to, I happened to go through it and have a lot of experience at it back to back to back to back stuff that people didn't even know about. And it just got so bad at one point. I just said, I'm not telling nobody. I'm not about to be the guy with the saddest story in the world. But uh, I, my my story is all about overcoming adversity, man, and whatever you hit with to try to way, try to find a way to fight back and never, ever quit. No matter what, the, the quitting is not an option. So. I just believe that. I breathe that every day. Um, to I fought through depression, anxiety, just different things, just battling, overcoming different obstacles. And that's all my job is to go. Uh, I find my job today is to go and encourage others to never quit and to see what's on the other side of, of the day. There's God. Very well said, Tommy. Um, and folks, uh, don't forget Tommy's movie memoir, Endure. Um, Tommy, am I correct? Folks can order the book through your website, TommyHarris.com. Yes, or they could go to Amazon.com or even go to MyPillow.com. My friend Mike Lindell hooked me up. Nice, nice. <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, you, you know, for the National Football League, you know, it, it kind of mirrors life a lot of ways. We know as Bears fans, you know, teams also go through hard times and adversity. And 
you know, you as you watch these these Bears, this new regime under Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Ethelhoff try to rebuild this franchise. I know you're, you know, you you you, you can't you can't follow it, you know, very closely these days as you take care of your family and other things. But are you kind of a do you kind of like the direction the Bears the Bears are taking as they they're building this around Justin Fields? Yeah, I, I love it. And you, and you guys know, being the tradition of the Bears, they, they really get stuck in their ways and they like to do things. Too. So it's it's been just cool watching the wiggle room they've gotten. So I like to see how this all works out. It, it, <coughs> me, it, it's like innovation. Uh, it's, it's I'm very excited for it. Uh, it's been uh, well overdue. So uh, <laughs> it's the, to see these guys get a fair shot being champions, um, it, it, it's, it looks optimistic for them. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I tell you what, you know, uh, if the the GM and you, obviously a little bit away too, you know, what what are if you're looking, if you're the Bears sitting there at number nine, um, are you kind of taking the perspective that we have a lot of different holes, but would you be looking at it as best, you know, the best player available on the draft board if, if you're Ryan Poles drafted at number nine next month, I, I would be getting. I would get the best player available for my scheme. Yeah. Because I want to be a GM there for a long time, so I don't want just the best player available. And the Dre might not fit my team and my scheme or what. I, I want to live there in Chicago in that beautiful city for a long time. And if I win and put a good scheme together, we can stay here for a long. We almost. I almost lived in Chicago forever if we would have. Yeah. <laughs> they would have loved you too, my friend. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. But yeah, I would be more, I, I would be more, uh, my deciding factor would be over who fits <laughs> my scheme in the need of what we need right now at this point. You know, Tommy, really quickly, I want to ask you about Coach Stoops because you played for a legendary coach at an, a university that's on my bucket list to go watch a football game at. And I want to take you back to when you first got there and your first year of college, you're, you're going from high school to college, which is a big transition. What is something that you took away after your first after your first year of playing under him? Uh, maybe it's something about football, something about life. And do you ever keep up with him now? As I feel like I'm one of the only people. I know other people watch the XFL, but I watch him coaching the XFL right now. If you follow him along as he's uh, coaching, um, he's still coaching. Well, my biggest thing that I would take from Coach Stoop is do what you say you're going to do and uh, no excuses, just results. And that's the way what Coach Coach Stoops is backed by this man named Jerry Smith. And that's his – That's Coach Stoops is a general. Jerry Smith is drill sergeant. And that's who ran the ship. And those two together were a powerhouse. But, yeah, I, I still keep up with Coach. Uh, he wrote one of my forwards in my book. Yep. For my new book, and uh, I go see him at his uh at his new coaching position down the street, the XFL team. Yep. I think the Rocks team he coaches. <laughs> but yeah, we we keep Sooners keep up with Sooners. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you tell me you bring up a good point. You know, the XFL, you know, going strong under during the Rock Johnson. The, the USFL will be uh, kicking off next month. Um, you know, I know. Well, the likelihood of both leagues surviving long term, you know, probably isn't great. But is this good for players, particularly for you know those kind of tweener players that are you know just get cut like the last day of, of camp? Those guys who are just trying to get 
make an NFL roster. Is having these screen leagues really good to give these kids opportunities to continue holding their craft to, to live their NFL dream down the road? Yeah, I think it's beautiful. The more opportunities you get to build a film study, right? And 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 then this is a game where if you're away from it for two weeks, a month, you could lose a step. So being able to have these outlets where you can go and sharpen and also using these outlets to in in innovate the NFL space, but have a space to practice on. I think that's brilliant too for business models with referee changes to practice on the league. The the league as a whole, I think it's a great it's a great need for it. Um I don't see it as a disruptor. I see it as uh more like V to V, you know, um working together. But I just really feel like it, it gives a lot of guys opportunity to be viewed, to be seen, and the season that is being played and needed. I mean, guys, this is a dead time for, for men that love football and to have something feel the same. It's been uh, pretty incredible. Tommy, you still keep up with a lot of the old players you used to play with, like Alex Brown, Goulier, Mark Anderson, Spice. You still keep in touch a lot with them? Yeah. Keeping touch, we're we're on a uh, we have a WhatsApp a thread of all the guys on the defense, yes. so pictures of the babies and the, the wives and the kids, and you know it, it's all the all the daddies. <laughs> it's yeah. it's yeah, living the the daddy daycare retirement life, my friend. Love it, oh, yeah. love it. Yeah, I talk to Spice all the time. My kids just came and spent time with him last week for spring break. He's so funny, man. That's a funny human being right there. Oh, yeah. DJ Moore and uh, Johnny Knox were rookies that year, and you and Izzy were uh, at the podium sitting down, talking back and forth, and I was uh, back there with everybody else just listening to you guys and talking about uh, locker room practical jokes and all kinds of stuff, and it was kind of cool just to listen to you guys to get that but you know that bird's eye kind of like behind the scenes of of what you guys did and man it was like you guys were just playing your favorite game having a good old time you know what i mean it, it was very enjoyable yeah i mean if if most people are around it it's 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 we just had a cool job you know what i mean but it was still a job it was work and if we messed up we were getting out of there so we try to make as much fun as we knew we knew we were in a cutthroat business and you only got so much time to be with these guys, so you try to make the most of every moment. Do you feel that relationship you guys had together played into a lot of success that you guys had on the field? No question. It was evident. You can see on the field that we we hung out all the time off the field. And and what that does, when you get a chance to play with guys, you get seasoned, right? And you meet new guys that just come. They'll have to talk out loud. <clears throat> play on a team that's like stealth, Excuse my euphemism. It's like the special forces, right? Like you get a chance where, where you playing with a guy, all you doing is this. And <laughs> that's wild develop, man. And that's like it's, that's what we had. See, that's awesome, man. That's what gives me hope about the Bears coming up here. They saw everyone saw it. Fields, Mooney, Claypool, and um, DJ Moore all at the Bear the Bulls game hanging out there. The Bulls jersey on. They were. Laughing, having a good time, man. So I'd love to see that camaraderie between the guys. I read this book from uh, Tony Dungy called Quiet Strength. And in there, he was also talking about uh, Lovey Smith. Uh, the cultivation in the, the locker room and being able to just be uh, comfortable within your own skin, does that, does that help 
like uh, manifest, like your guys' personalities come out and really get to gel and have relationships and play side by side and just be be loose. You know what I mean? No question. I, I think that was the biggest things that Lovey Smith did. He made all of us mesh, black, white, brown. It wasn't going to be guys on this side of the locker room, this guy's on this side. No. Our locker room is one of the closest locker rooms you ever could think of. And he came in and he said it from day one. Like, this is how it's going to be. We couldn't cuss there. We couldn't talk any kind of way crazy. And if a coach talked crazy to you, Coach Smith gave you the right to talk crazy back to that coach. So mm -hmm. we had a very a culture that was very respectful in that locker room. Man, I miss Lovey so much. Lovey was the best. I know, man. <laughs> he did more for the Bears last year. The Bears did that for themselves. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, he still helped the Bears. He's still helping yeah, he still the Bears was. today. Give that man a job somewhere. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what, Tommy? Um, you know, fans, I know the NFL, the competition committee, is always kind of looking at the rule book, trying to make the game safer, which has to be the most important thing without question. But, you know, in terms of making the game, you know, doing making fun, if you could change one NFL Happy rule. Happy birthday, DJ Moore. Go ahead. <laughs> you win. DJ Moore, the new Bears uh, star wide out. It is indeed his birthday. But, uh, yeah, if you were the commission, if you're Roger Goodell, what's one one rule change you would love to see the NFL make at Tom? Oh, one? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. We'll, give, we'll give you three. We'll give no, you three. I'll, I'll give you one. And it's the most embarrassing thing to still be talking about in 2023. Guarantee contracts. Yeah. Amen. There's nothing else to talk about. Like, this is embarrassing now. This, yeah. We know better. We know the danger of it. Concussions came out. Okay, we know the game is violent. DeMar Hamlin almost gave us the biggest scare in the world. Mm -hmm. Woo, you yeah. guys made it by there. Guarantee these babies contracts. Yeah, absolutely. These are folks. Yeah, baseball has it. Why not a NFL? This game, guarantee the money. Absolutely, hundred percent. The, the richest professional sports league in the world. Listen to Tommy Harris, ladies and gentlemen. Guarantee these uh, contracts. Holy cow! Uh, amen for that, Tommy. Um, do you think the game is getting safer? Obviously, Demar gave us a big, big scare this year. You know, the concussion numbers were up in twenty twenty two over twenty twenty one. As you watch the game and you see particularly those hard hits that you used to have to deal out week in and week out, does the game look like some of these safety profile changes? Does it look a little bit safer than it was when you were playing? A little softer, you said? Or, or is it safer? Does it look safer that uh, as a safer it's game with the rule changes they made? It looks softer. Softer, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like they're trying to save money and charge the players to play a violent game and make business decisions on the field, and that's yeah. not the player's fault. The game is made to be played violent and fast, and or you're going to get hurt trying to make business decisions in the middle of a hole because you don't want to pay a fine that comes with playing your game. So I just believe the game has a lot of innovation to do. It's a dinosaur game, and it has a lot of innovation that can be used, in a, and we got to do something with the zebras. <laughs> and I don't know how they're going to fix it. It's above my pay grade. But as a fan of the sport, it, it could use some innovation. Those robot refs are coming. I'm telling you, man, there's going to be robot refs out what there pretty soon. Make they should put a red chip in the football 
in today's time that yeah. goes through the pylons that says first down, that says the field goes good. It shouldn't be the natural eye guessing anymore on that. And we have these cell phones and all this. It's just embarrassing. But I didn't say nothing. No, I'm just <laughs> oh. I didn't hear anything. Home father. This is just yeah. us talking here, Tommy. Just us. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been our honor and privilege to uh, to visit with one of the all-time great Bears, one of my all-time favorite Bears players. He is the all-pro, Tommy Harris, and the, the author of the best-selling new memoir, Endure, Playing Through Life's Hardest Hits. You can pick that up at Amazon, TommyHarris.com, also MyPillow.com. Tommy, this has been a dream. Thank you so much for taking time to visit with us. We appreciate it. Thank it's been you. a pleasure, sir. Thank you. All the best, man. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We roll on. The great Tommy Harris visiting us on this super action-packed football night in Chicago. Guys, wow, he's awesome. Wow. That's so awesome. Part of my favorite Bears like era ever growing up, like the early can't 2000s. Read the, can't can't like, wait to read the book. Right? I know. Yeah. I want to. Yeah, That's awesome, it, it looks, I, I was leafing through it, Coop. It looks really good. And the thing about it, you know, he's really honest, Coop, because this is a man who uh, – He's gone through unspeakable tragedy, fellas. Uh, back in 2012, he lost his wife Ashley um, to uh, uh, to heart uh, to a heart attack, I believe, um, just 30 days, just a month after they were married. Um, yeah, and you know, like wow. that. He's also, uh, you know, he's had some, uh, issue, you know, some health issues with with his children. Um, he's a good guy, you know, just trying to, like you said, put one foot in front of the other. And uh, we definitely wish him all the best. I definitely see why he's putting family first instead of football right now, for sure. So, you know, I'm always fascinated with football players like him too because he was such a great football. He was such a great player for the Bears for for many years. But I mean, he played at such a major university too with a legendary coach. Yeah. And just to get that, you heard him talk about it too. How he got, how he was ready. Like if you felt like he was ready to go to the next level. And I think it's 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 interesting to hear players talk about their universities because I feel like some universities have that type of scheme and readiness for you to go to the next to the next level and some don't and some players have a hard time catching on it mm. certainly did not happen with him definitely love how you talked more it was mostly all personable about everything everything was emotional and feelings and I feel like people miss that gap in sports saying it's not about just your ability on the field it's your camaraderie with your teammates, being in the right scheme, being surrounded by the right people. So, I mean, again, talking about our Bears like we always do, I mean, these are the things I'm looking at and hoping that I'm seeing in the background. And I think that's really is what is going to build a success for the Bears ultimately. That's what him and Izzy was doing, man, when I was watching them uh, yeah. with all his fans there, man. I was just like, this is so cool. It's like blowing my mind. Like, he's just like a regular guy, like, yeah. You could just approach him and be like, hey, you want to have a beer with me afterwards? Like, yeah, sure, let's go. Yes. You know? It was like a video of like Tommy and Spice on Comcast Sports Stuff, like doing like a dance off during like a post game <laughs> show or something. It's just absolutely amazing. I mean, having that come out here with your teammate, man. I mean, I hope the Bears um, really put some players together who we see that and see them having fun and joking around like that. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, great point, Faz. And you know, we like you were talking about. I, I love to see, you know, that you know, you, you see, you know, Justin bringing into these guys. You know, you see him, you know, trying to really uh, create a really good uh, rapport with with all the, all these guys who have been coming in. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, you know how this this team comes together. Um, yeah, and I want to get get your, both of your thoughts on that too. 
there's going to be we're, we're looking at a team that's going to have what 50 to 60 percent of a roster turnover it's going to be a new look team yeah, guy yeah. once we get to training camp how important is it going to be for this coaching staff to build that chemistry immediately before we even leave camp see that's why i brought up the fact when i was asking um Tommy, like, do you think there's a leader on the team? I think there's really going to have to be this one standout individual guy to kind of take the ropes, keep the team together, keep them motivated, be the talking guy, be the go-to guy. I mean, just like how Erlacher and Briggs and Tillman were for their cores and Kruitz and Garza were for the O-line. I mean, I think establishing that leader who everyone has faith in is going to be a huge part of going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, too. And I think, first off, it's important that we have the same coaching staff coming back here for a second year. But with yeah. a lot of changeover, too, you never know what's going to happen, especially in the first part of the season where you're trying to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. I mean, you just see examples over the last couple of years. I know it's a different position, but, I mean, look at Tom Brady when he first went to the Bucks. His first couple of games was a little shaky. He had, what, three interceptions his first game that he played? He had Aaron Rodgers last year, couldn't get on the same page with his brand-new wide receivers. Now, a lot of that could have been his fault. He didn't do a lot of the off-season programs. But at the same time, it's hard to develop a chemistry with a whole group new, a group of new people. Sure. And um, I think it could go either way. I think you can have that come out that with, the, with, the new, with the coaching staff, or it could take a little bit of time to kind of get used to, especially when you have that much changeover. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the night after uh, DJ Moore got uh, yeah. traded to us, they mm-hmm. went and watched the Bulls game, you know? Four deep, you know, with the kid. I thought that was awesome, you know. Yeah, DJ Moore's daughter was running around Soldier Field taking pictures and stuff. That's the shit I like to see, man. That's awesome. Yeah, You know, Faz, you were talking about that player stepping up to become really like the leader, you know, really kind of the the emotional heart and soul of this team. You know, a guy guy becoming like a Mike Singletary or or Brian Urlacher. Is there one guy do you think on this defense right now who has the potential to be that guy? Or, or that's still wait to see. Because I, I mean, I don't – right now personally from my connection with the players, I mean, there's people that I like, but yeah. are there players that I love? And do you see that commanding happen on the field, them calling the audibles, them being back there screaming, going crazy and changing stuff up and taking command? We don't have that right now. I mean um, – so right now, I think there's some potentials right now, but like uh, Cooper's saying too, I mean, I think it's something that needs to be developed over time, and hopefully they do take that time and develop it. Uh, I think everyone's riding the in fields we trust real high right now if there was to be a leader on the Bears. Um, but again, once he establishes himself on the offense and we believe in him, we're definitely going to need more than one captain out there running the squad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fellas, I tell you what, as we wait for a, a Lester and Wolf on from Woody City Gridiron, um, guys, let me get your thoughts. We know we talked about this, Foscoop, briefly, but we really haven't really dived head on into the Tremaine Edmonds uh, signing. Um, I think all the potential is there for him to be one of the next great Chicago linebackers. For both of you, from what you've seen, from what he's done over the first five years of his career, how high is the ceiling for Tremaine Edmonds, would you say? Doing extremely high. I mean, I like, I believe it was him who was teammates with Sanborn, correct? They're the ones with the relationship. So, again, I love seeing that and knowing that and how they're bringing that camaraderie together of people who have established relationships. So, I see them doing that a lot. So, I hope they take Paris Johnson around one with his background with Fields. So, bringing that connection together, I think, is going to make the success all that much easier. 
Yep, absolutely fine. Folks, our next guest is the Trusted Bears news source for thousands of Bears fans the world over. He's our good friend and the excellent editor-in-chief of Windy City Gridiron, Lester on the Story Wolfong. Welcome back to the Monsters. Welcome, sir. Welcome. (laughs) What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Good. How are you, bud? Good, good. Great to see you, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, It's great to have you here. Folks, please let us know if you have any questions that you'd like us to ask for Lester. Please post them, and we'll try to get as many answered. Um, Lester, I know you've been living, eating, and breathing um, Ryan Foles' roster makeover uh, over the last uh, a couple of weeks here in the first wave of free agency. Um, what grade would you give him uh, at this stage of this roster redesign process as we sit here loud, Lester, a little out from the 2023 NFL draft? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, you, I was close to an A, but then like the more further we get from at them actually adding a, a a veteran right tackle to compete, it's going down a little. I, I guess I got to go B to be fair here. I, I'm I'm still waiting for that for that right tackle. I don't think you can go into the mm-hmm. uh, to the draft without that that spot there. I mean, he had two huge needs, you know, in free agency. He needed to get a right tackle. He needed to get a, a three tech. He kind of addressed the D line and the edge a little bit. You know, it's still not, you know, the the best guys there. There's still some moves to make in the draft. There's, there's still some moves to make in free agency. But but right now, I, I want to see that right tackle because I do not trust uh, Larry Borum. Uh, Alex Dutherwood is, is there, but, you know, who knows what he is. So I think you, you got to address that spot. So for now, we're going to go with a, with a solid B. That's what I gave him too, Lester. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for the people you've talked to, your connections, does it sound like that Ryan Lester has been able to land most of his top free agent targets that he had on his board? Or has he had to adjust his scope on the fly kind of based on the market changes of available players here through the first week of free agency? I mean, he wanted Mike McGlinchey. That was uh, one yeah. of his top targets, but the money got a little out of, out of hand there. Um, I think he, he kind of balked at the guaranteed money from what I understand. You know, I mean, he's – is Mike Lindsay, would he have been an upgrade? Yes. Is he a guy that's that, that you can really, you know, take a look at that 50 million guarantee and say that that's, that's what money well spent. I don't think so. I understand him bound out of that. Uh, Caleb McGarry, right tackle ended up going back to Atlanta. I mean, from what I understand, he, he chose Atlanta. I mean, there may have been an offer on the table from a few other teams, but he liked his teammates. He liked the coaching staff. He didn't want to leave there. Uh, Taylor, uh, Juwan Taylor, Again, you got ridiculous money, but at the end of the day, if, if you have to choose between the Bears or the Chiefs, I mean, come on, we're, we're going to the Chiefs, you know, the the, the, the the defending champs, that's where to go. And then, uh, so so I think he's he's looked for right tackle. He hasn't found it. Um, obviously, when you look at the three-tech, Deron Payne was probably his top choice. He got franchised by, by Washington. That kind of, you know, that's that's unfortunate, but that's that's the name of the game. Um, Draymond Jones, again, another guy that kind of got overpriced. I mean, that's a lot of money to give a guy that's never played a three tech and he's, he, he's, he's a better fit for the scheme where he's there. So I think he's done what he can. I think he, uh, he made some, some nice picks as far as uh, what he'd done in free agency, but I think he's staying true to his vision. You know, he's not going to overpay. He's not going to go after, uh, older veterans. All the guys he got are pretty much young, ascending low mileage type players. And that's what he wants for his franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, Lester talking about the free agency class here, because I was saying this the last couple of weeks where I thought this free agency class in general was just good. I, there, there wasn't a lot of outstanding players, and I, th- I feel like a lot of money has been thrown around, like you were just kind of mentioning there. There's a couple of other guys that I looked at, and I'm like, whoa. I'm like, 
Cam Sutton got how much money to go to Detroit, which I think was a good move for them, but I thought maybe it was a little bit more. So what was your overall thought on this year's free agent class? And did you think some of these, I mean, you were just talking about some of the overpay on some of these guys, or uh, was there a certain guy do you think that we missed that, that they, they should have gone after? Yeah, I don't think so. When you look at the money they kind of handed out, I think it's kind of, like I said, it seemed like he, he had a vision and he stuck to it. Uh, I, I would not have had a problem. If he would have overpaid for McGlinchey and, 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 and done that, uh, it's the game. It's the name of the game. You have to overpay some time to free agency, you know, so kudos to, for him for, you know, for staying true to himself and not doing that. Again, there's still a couple moves to made at right tackle that happens. It'll be nice. But, you know, did he overpay for train Edmonds? Possibly, but that's a key part of this defense. He needed that guy that he can, that he can get in here. Um, he, he values the length that he brings. He values his coverage ability. And, and we talk about young and ascending. He's, he's 24 years old. He's, he's a, a five-year pro. That's ridiculous. He was drafted at 19 years old. So his, his arrow's pointing up. T.J. Edwards, the other linebacker. You know, they got two outstanding linebackers that fit today's NFL for just a little bit more than what they would have had to pay for Roquan Smith. So I think overall that, that's a good value deal there. Um, Edmonds' price is a bit high. Edwards' price is a bit low. They balance each other out, so that's good there. And then, of course, with the, the, the receivers on the market, it seems like last year's that huge Christian Kirk deal that kind of was ridiculous. I think the teams kind of looked at that and said, you know, no one's doing that this year. Um, <laughs> there, there wasn't a, a, a bunch of frequency as it was, so I think Ryan Poles made, made the best move he could. He made a trade, and he got DJ Moore in here. And instead of having a, another a, another top draft pick coming back with that, he wanted the receiver. It's a legit number one receiver, and I think that's the best thing for the franchise. Uh, Lester, as we stand right now, do you know what's the available uh, cap money now with, with where we stand here on March 22nd? Um, I know they still have the most by far. Last I checked, it was around 40-ish. So, I mean, there's some, there's some moves we made here, which is kind of nice because – you know they had their state. They think they double the next guy, the, the next team. So, if there's some some cap casualties, if there's some guys that shake loose, and the Bears say, "Hey, that 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 guy fits our scheme. If he fits what we want for our franchise, they can go get him because you know no one's going to outbid the Bears at this point." Right. Well, so as far as I read, they said that uh, as of next year, we would still be ranked fourth with cap space for for even next year. <laughs> Uh, year to date uh, for today, looking into next year's cap space, and that's taking into consideration the the potential players that we have to re-sign, all that stuff. You know, yeah. If you look at Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, maybe Chase Claypool. I mean, there's some moves to be made this year for extension, so they're going to hand out some more cash this season. Um, but but you know, the franchise is in good, in, in a good place still. That's part of what, why Ryan Poles did what he did last off season. He bit the bullet. He ate a lot of dead cap because he knew it'll set his team up not only for this year, but for next year as well. Given what's left in the free agency pool right now, going into the draft next month, are there any free agencies out there right now that you would like to see polls make a move on before we get to that point? Uh, the right tackle for the Broncos, uh, uh, Cameron Fleming, I believe his name is. I think he kind of fits what the Bears want. Um, 28, 29-ish years old, but he had a lot of a, a, a low-miles kind of player. He didn't play a lot when he was younger, more of a reserve uh, but as he's got more opportunities to play in the NFL, he's been pretty good. And he's got better every year. So I think he's a guy that can come in one or two year deal. You know, he can definitely win a starting job. But if the Bears do get a, a, a rookie in a draft that comes in like a Paris Johnson Jr., if he comes in and he's able to take that job, now you got a guy that's a, a, a versatile veteran swing tackle because, you know, you still need that on the roster, too. 
without drafting that big, or I'm sorry, without uh, picking up that right tackle for agency right now, the Bears kind of pigeonhole themselves into having to draft an O-lineman first pick now? It sure seems that way, but, I mean, what, what if Jalen Carter slips? That's seems, what I keep on saying. Like, you know, what do you, you do right now if yeah. Jalen Carter is available at nine? I mean, that's what my worry is right now going into the draft. That and that the Lions pick him up, and he's on the same side with Hutchinson, yeah. and we got to play them twice a year. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously rough there. I mean, I mean the, the, the nice thing about this draft, though, is the Bears have a need at D-line and an and O-line, tackles you know, more specifically. And those need positions line up with best player available. So if the Bears did take a, a lineman at nine, no one's going to say, oh, they're reaching for their guy because, you know, it's going to be Johnson or, or it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, like we said, Jalen Carter. It's going to be someone there, Tyree Wilson, the edge. So, I mean, there's going to be a, a top flight player there at that spot that also fits their need. Now, the problem is they don't pick again to like 52, 51, something like that. So, you know, that's a big gap. So uh, depending on how the board falls and if four quarterbacks all do go prior to the Bears and it pushes some of that talent down, now maybe you, you trade back from nine a few spots, you know, still get a guy you like, and now you have a, another another Ooh. pick or two that's you know prior to fifty three. I like yeah. that. Ladies and gentlemen, we are, we are talking to one of Chicago's best sports newsmen, the editor in chief of Woody City Gridiron, Lester on the story with Vaughn. Lester, I know you wrote earlier this week you were talking with uh, Chad Lestercow of the Des Moines Register about the the possibility of the Bears targeting Iowa defensive lineman Lucas Van Ness. Mm-hmm who's a 6'5", 275-pound uh, play demolition spe- specialist coming off an all-Big Ten season with the Hawkeyes there. Um, do, do you think he would be a, a good fit, system fit for this team? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's an edge for Iowa, but, you know, he did a lot of work inside as well. Um, yeah. I think he may be a little too light to play the, the, the three-tech for the Bears. But, again, we're talking about a young player. You know, uh, he can still grow into his body. Bottom line, he's a pass rusher. Whether he's rushed for the inside or the edge, he can get it done. And, you know, he's, he's a, a really good athlete. That's what the Bears want. He has good length. Again, that's what the Bears want. He's from Barrington, so it's a local kid. It would be kind of a cool story. I think nine might be a bit too rich for him. But if they do trade back, like we talked about, they trade back, they pick up another couple picks, maybe they get their tackle and their edge or, or their, their de-tackling Van Ness and, and call it a day. I mean, how light are you talking here, Lester? Is, is it a bit much? Because, I mean, we got beef sandwiches and Chicago-style pizza here, man. I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't take long, right? Well, he's from Barrington, so I'm sure he understands Giordano's <laughs> and Portillo's and all that yeah. stuff. So I think he'll be fine coming back back home. So, uh, it has, it, like I said, it'll be a good story, man. I mean, the Bears have a few of those guys in the roster now. Um, I think it would be neat if he is drafted in Chicago. I just think nine may be a bit too rich for that. Tommy liked that guy from uh, – what do you say, USC, the defensive lineman from USC? Yeah. Do you know anything about him? Uh, the offensive line, Voorhees, the one who tore his ACL? No, I think or, he's talking about the defensive lineman. Thule, I'm not even going to try yeah. and pronounce his last name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah see, I can't pronounce his name either. He was mostly an edge at USC. Um, he kind of played all, all over the place, but he was mostly a 3-4 you know, uh, in the 30 front. Um, okay. Dropped a ton of weight. So he was like 260 at the combine, which is way too light. I think he wanted to show he can be a, a true edge in the NFL. But yeah. I know Greg Gabriel, who does some stuff for us, he, he's convinced that if he puts on, you know, it's about 280 range, he's convinced he could be one of the top three techs in the draft. Wow. Well, with our Chicago food, we can get him to 280. One night out with us. <laughs> oh, one thanks. night. Let's go, baby.
Let's you go. know, Lester, um, we're so much talk here, but I love when we're talking about free agency with the Bears and the draft. <laughs> How about you landscape the NFC in general? Because I'm looking at the broad picture here. I mean, I, even our division alone, I, I love what the Detroit Lions did. I think they're going to be – a good team. I was talking about earlier how players are actually wanting to go and play there now. I keep reading these quotes on how like David Montgomery and and Cam Sutton are talking about how like Dan Campbell was like getting them riled up when they were when they were meeting with them and stuff. But how about the NFC in general? Because I think right now this is so wide open. I know the Bears might have another year, uh, still another year off, but I look and see what, for example, the Cowboys did. I feel like this is Prescott more than ever now because you got yeah. Brandon Cooks and you got C.D. Lamb. You got your two wide receivers. Good. I mean, I want to see what they do. What are the Eagles going to do? They lost some key players in free agency, but they still have Jalen Hurts. They still have A.J. Brown. I still think they're going to be really good with a good coaching staff. How do you landscape everything right now in the NFC? Yeah, I think the NFC is is tough because the AFC has like six teams that are like legit contenders. And you look at the NFC, I mean, you mentioned the Eagles and the Cowboys. I think those guys have to be mentioned. I mean, the Giants, you know, they should be better this year too. It's it's year two of the Brian Dable system. So, so Daniel Jones, he, he had a lot of flack. You know, throughout throughout his career, but he was pretty good last year. He he was decent, and it's his like I said, it's it's his his his, his year two in the system. Him and Saquon will be tough. That defense is getting better, so I think that's going to be tough. And of course, man, the Lions. It's weird to say, man, but the Lions. Yeah, those awesome, are definitely man. the favorite in the NFC North. I think they've done a lot of cool things there. I think being on 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 uh, HBO's Hard Knocks kind of helped them. They kind of helped kind of show Dan Campbell's side. And, you know, I know he had a rep as it was, but having him on that show kind of showed that more. And is, is it kind of corny? Yeah. Is he a, 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 a bit of a meatball? Of course. But, man, football players dig that kind of stuff. I mean, that's kind of why Coach Fluce is popular because the hits principle, you, you hear that, you're like, oh, that's that's corny. Football players like that stuff, man. It's, it's you know, they, they want to know what, what, what they have to do. They want to be held accountable. They, they want to be treated like men. And that's kind of what, you know, G- Campbell and Coach Fluce does. And you got to wonder, too, because those are two former high-level football players. Dan Campbell is a great tight end. And Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, was a was yeah. a great cornerback, too. So I always wonder, if, like, the football, football players go in and say, wow, these guys played at a high level, too, on top of building some type of culture that the Lions are building. You got to wonder if more football players are looking at that and saying, man, I kind of want to go play for that now. Yeah, it definitely helps. Plus, you know, they've done a great job with drafting. The last few mm-hmm. years, they brought a lot of talent in there. So, you know, those guys are starting to to show what they are. And, you know, like I said, I mean, right now, I mean, if you look at the division, they're definitely the favorites. Of course, the Packers are still there because of Aaron Rodgers, but he's gone. He's going to New York at some point. It's going to happen. So once that's official, it's, it's the Lions division, and it sucks, but th- that's how it is right now. Is it kind of amazing to say that the Packers might be the worst team in the NFC North in the next year or two? It. That, it just so gives close. me goosebumps to think that way. I mean, the, the key is for us as Bears fans is that Jordan Love is is just good enough to keep you know keep tricking that franchise thinking he's their guy and, and, and not too good. So that way, you know, he's not following the footsteps of, of Favre and Rogers because you know what, what Bears fans want is that franchise to be middling, you know. Yeah. Kirk Cousins level of performance, you know, something that's just pretty good, but just not good enough because, you know, the Bears, you know, they're, they're definitely on the upswing as well. So hopefully the next few years will be Bears and Lions battling it out. Speaking of losses, but our gain, we ended up getting uh, Robert Tunyon, and I know that's one of your favorite positions to talk about. What are we doing at tight end now, man? I mean, we got Cole Komet. I'm sure he graded out probably a little better than you thought he would pr- prior to the season starting. You know what I mean? And now we've got another tight end that could potentially take off if he plays to his, you know, to his level. What what do you think we're doing over there? 
Yeah, I mean, with, with Tanya, he plays a bit different game than Cole Komet. Cole okay. Komet is kind of, uh, you know, when he was drafted, he was thought of it. He could do kind of both. He could buy the, the move guy plus the in-line guy. But, you know, as he's kind of grown into his body, he's kind of grown into his role. He seems like he's more of the of the classic Y, which is perfect for this offense. It works with Tunyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can be, that's a guy that can move, move move around a little bit more. So I think they have a good uh, one two punch there with those guys. Then you look at the contract Tunyon got one year, you know, two point five three million. It wasn't a huge deal. Uh, so if you're looking at the overall Bears team building, the tight ends around the NFL that were free agents did not get a ton of cash. The market may have reset itself a bit after a season ago. Uh, if that's the case and you're going to extend Cole Komet, you know, he may not get the 10, 12 million that, that some thought he would get, you know, it's going to be a bit, a bit, a bit lower than that. So uh, I think that's, that's good for the bears. Plus, you know, again, we talk about the guy from a local kid, Cole Komet's from, from Barrington, Robert Cunyon's from McHenry. So I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's a cool uh, tight end room they have right now. Is it just a one year prove it deal or we, is he just uh moving on? Or do you think we could, uh, if he plays good enough, uh, keep him? Well, I mean, he, he talked about he wanted to be a Bear. He said he, in his mind he's always been a Chicago Bear. So, you know, you find those guys. The same thing with T.J. Edwards. You know, he's from the area. You know, he wanted to be a Bear. I think that's why he took less money to come to Chicago. He was the Bears' first free agent signing. Part of that has to do with because he's from Lake Ville. He's from the area. Uh, he wanted to come here. He took a little less money. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. So if you can be in an area and in a place where you're comfortable, you're familiar, where you have your friends and family around you, why not take a little less to stay there? We always hear about the, t- the team-friendly deals these guys take, and it doesn't always happen. But when you got guys that are local, that weighs right there. And that uh, center from last year, I mean, he could – because he got injured early, he could potentially be a sleeper right there. I mean, he's still on the roster, right? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you were talking about how he was a local guy last year, Doug, right? So Doug Kramer, yeah, right. Yeah, he, he, he's still around. He, he had his uh, he was on IR all year. He missed the season. Um, I wasn't really super high on his tape when I watched this stuff in college, but you know, there's some there's some skills there. You know, uh, a lot of times these guys make a huge jump year one to year two. Obviously, him not being able to play last season will hurt him. You know, but he is going to understand the NFL way the NFL conditioning, the NFL strength conditioning room, you know, he'll get himself in better shape. And, and I'm, I'm sure he's working on his craft and his technique the entire off season. Cause I mean, his, his roster spot's not a guarantee, you know, but you know, he plays center. The bears have a center um, and, and, and Patrick possibly Cody white here. sounds like, so they need another guy to kind of step in and take that role. Sam Mustafer seems like he's gone for good finally. So I think it's good for Doug Kramer. He has a chance here, but you know, he's got to prove something. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to our man uh, in the know. He's Lester Wilfon on the story for Woody City Gridiron. Well, Lester, can you can we take you through the running back situation to um, your thoughts uh, on the, the, the obviously is controversial uh, where we went running back wise <laughs> last week? Donnie Travis Hummer from Seattle, two years, four and a half million. What the guy I think is the X factor here. Can I get your thoughts about Deonta Foreman? Uh, one year, three million, coming off a, 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 a solid year with the Panthers. Is there a possibility he becomes part of a of a rotation with Kehill Herbert, or how, or how does how do you see the Bears running back backfield playing out in twenty twenty three now? Yeah, I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last year, where Foreman kind of takes more of the uh, the, the, the RB one role that David Montgomery had. I like Khalil Herbert a lot. He's a fantastic runner. He still has not shown in two years that he could pick up a blitz. 
You know, yeah. he's not a very good in pass blocking. That's where his problem is. Foreman comes over. He's pretty good in that aspect. Um, I believe when he was in college, you know, he did not allow a sack. He didn't allow a pressure. That's what he's good at. He's not a very good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, he says that's something he can do. He has not shown it yet in, in, in the pros. Uh, with with, with uh, Travis Homer, again, he's known for his blitz pickup. You know, there, there's film out there on Twitter. You can find it where it's just a minute of him picking up blitzes. He's a physical player as far as when, when, he, when he's doing that. You know, he has a pretty good speed out of the backfield. He is a guy that can catch the ball. So you're going to see him kind of take that third down roll, my guess is. And then if Khalil Herbert can show that he can pick up the blitz a little better, you know, his playing time will increase. But I, I expect the, the carry split to kind of be similar to what we saw last year where Foreman kind of gets a few more reps than Herbert. Uh, they'll mix in, 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 in Travis Homer. Um, I think it's a good three-headed monster to have for the Bears. It, it does look like a much better uh, a backfield going forward in the future. Uh, fellas, anybody else have questions before Lester, before we let him call tonight? Yeah, last year you graded a few players. Uh, your highest grade and your lowest grade, like what was something that you graded out a player that we had uh, last year in the offseason that we picked up that you were happy about, uh, that they they did what you thought they would, and then what? who was like your biggest uh, letdown, you know? Uh, I mean, everyone kind of played pretty much on the team how I kind of expected. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, um, he got some brief reps in one of the games there. He was pretty good, a bit slow off the snap, and I thought he would be a little better. But then the, the next few times he got some reps, it just went downhill from there. So, I mean, that's why I'm not really high on him him going forward. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, I thought, graded out pretty good last year for the Bears. But now with Nate Davis coming in, you know, what happens with him? Is, are they going to put Davis on the left side? Is Jenkins right side? Is, is that locked down? Mm. You know, there was all that drama last offseason with Devin mm. Jenkins. So, you know, where does he fit in the, in the plans with this regime? I want him to stay. I'm a fan of his. I like what he brings to the table. But honestly, it would not surprise me to see something happen where they bring in another guy and, you know, Tevin Jenkins is, is out. But I hope it doesn't happen, but we'll see. How about Lester? I got one for you too, Chase Claypool, because my house, we're, we're a Steeler house too, girlfriend, diehard Steeler fan. So I've watched a lot of Chase Claypool the last two years. Very disappointed in the way he's played in a year, a year and a half before he came to the Bears. Yeah. And I thought we gave up a pretty high pick to get him. And I was trying to tell that. And I'm like, you know, there's some things that he did in Pittsburgh, uh, jump balls that he can never come across with. I thought he was a pretty good slot receiver, but Sometimes I feel like they put the number one on him and he's not a number one. He's better in a different position. But I also feel like this is a contract year for him too. So yeah. uh, this is now or never for Chase Claypool. He comes over. He's got a new scenery. A little disappointed last year like a lot of other players were. It just wasn't him. But what are you expecting from him this year, especially going into a contract year? Well, I think the big key for him is going to be in a whole offseason. He's already working with Justin Fields. They're going to have a, some something going on there. You know, he'll learn the offense. He was coming in, and I know from talking to some people around the league, it's like, you know, they say that this is a tough offense. Uh, the, 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 the Shanahan asks the Getzy offense what he runs. It's not the easiest thing to pick up. And if he was coming from a similar scheme, maybe he would have picked it a little better. But there's a lot, a lot of sight adjustments, a lot of things he has to do on the fly where he just doesn't understand that. So having a full offseason will help him. Plus having DJ Moore come over. DJ Moore is legit number one receiver. You know, coverage will now go towards DJ Moore because he's that good. You know, he will slot into the Z. I think you'll see a guy like uh, with Chase now. He'll be your X. Mooney should, once he's healthy, should be your slot guy. But they'll move them around quite a bit. So you, you're not counting on Claypool. Like I said, in Pittsburgh, he got that number one label. 
it's not who he is, but, but what he is, is he's six foot four, six foot five, two thirty. you know, big, strong kid. You know, you said he worked good on the slot. Well, let, let's get him in a slot. I think he can do that. I know they call it these days, they call it the power slot in that position where it's more of a, a real big guy in, in that spot. You always think of like the, the June Edelman, the really small guys, but you know, those big guys, you know, you can find their, their, their mismatches too, you know, get those guys locked up on a guy in a slot and you go to him all day. Again, be familiar with the offense, knowing the slants, you know, because we didn't see much slants last year with Justin Fields. But if you look at what Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Luke Getze did when they were in Green Bay, slants for days. So I think that part of the game's coming. It's just a matter of getting everyone on the same page. And I think year two of the offense, it's all going to click. Uh, Lester, we have a, a question from one of our viewers in terms of contract extensions for existing Bears players who either uh, who are looking, who still have been locked up for next year. Anything you're hearing about possible signings for existing players still looking for deals for next year existing on the roster? I know there's been some buzz about Cole Komet. Uh, he actually did, did our podcast from the Super Bowl and he talked about how that those talks have started. You know, it's again with the market for tight end kind of settled down. Maybe he wants to wait and see what happens next year. But, but I think if they can get him locked up, they'll do it. Um, because again, we talk about the youth of a guy like Edmonds being drafted at 19. Komet was drafted at 20, so he's he's a really young player still. He's the best footballs in front of him. So get him locked up. And then of course with Mooney coming off an injury is a little tougher. You know, but if they feel he's good in his rehab, um, I know they love what he does. Him and Justin Fields have a, have a really good connection. So if something's there with him again the receiver market's kind of uh, it's, it's not where it was last year so maybe they get him a little cheaper than he wanted or maybe he wants to wait and see what happens next offseason but but i think if the bears had their way they would get cole Komet and darnell mooney locked up uh, at some point really soon awesome ladies and gentlemen he is our man in the know our good friend the executive editor-in-chief of windy city gridiron lester on the story will fun don't forget to check out lester at windycitygridiron.com he's got a great piece today about the uh, mock draft so who's all calling the bears to do what with that number nine pick uh lester my friend as always it's a it's a pleasure and honor and privilege thanks so much for taking time tonight anytime guys have a good one take it easy thank you Lester Wolfbond, ladies and gentlemen, and this has been an absolutely epic uh, uh, football night in Chicago here, uh, Monsters of the Madhouse. Fellas, what a night. Holy cow. We covered awesome. a lot of ground. Oh, yeah. uh, guys, closing thoughts. Where the Bears are at in free agency, if you had to make a pick, Foz, Tracks, Coop, where is going to be Ryan Paul's next move? What should be his next move? What do you believe will be his next move in free agency? <sighs> Hopefully an offensive lineman, man, before the draft. I want to see a semi-awesome, reliable, proven, decent number offensive lineman before the draft. They do that. They go O-line, defensive end for a second round. I'm a happy camper this entire offseason. Yeah. Coop, how about you? You know, I, I'd be okay. I, 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 I don't know if they're going to really go after another wave of free agents here or, or unless something falls into their lap or not. I'm okay with that because um, I feel like they've addressed a lot of different needs that they needed. They got the best that they could get at certain positions, and I'm ready for the draft now. I feel like now you got to really start taking your focus to the draft and really put your boards together here and see what you think is going to fall in because you have a better idea now after signing these free agents on what positions you're looking to fill. And I would much rather now – more onto the draft and some of the younger players and fit them in with the free agent signings that they just had. Tracks, I know some. you got some guys you want to see or uh, 
the Chicago Bears uh, blue and orange next year. What do you what are you thinking that it's going to be Ryan Poles next week? You know, honestly, I'm kind of uh, looking at the defensive line. I think the offensive line, as bad as it was last year, I think it's progressively gotten a little bit better. I'm comfortable with the direction we're headed into the draft. I still think that there might be some potential uh, bench players that we could pick up, you know. Also, guys like you just saw Elijah uh, get traded, you know, from uh, where, where was that? Uh, from the Jets, right? Over to the Browns. To the Browns, yeah. That so was good things, the Browns. Things, things like that's happening in our, you know. So, you know, there's no telling what can happen in the next few days. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, he's just holding on to his money and seeing where the chips fall and, and make a phone call quick if something like that happens on the D-line or offensive line. I don't think at the end of this I, – I, I was going to ask you guys this question. I don't think at the end of this uh, offseason – that we are going to have a formidable offense and defense. I don't think it's all going to no, be taken care of this year, right? So no, I agree uh, with that. It's definitely going to take yeah. another season for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, quite honestly, I mean, I will say that I do think that because he's got more weapons and more protection and a better defense and whatever, because what was it, seven games, we were within seven points or less. So if we keep our defense um, – you know, uh, or we keep our offense off the field with a little bit better defense. Some of those games we end up winning. Fields plays a little bit better. But mm -hmm. I don't think with the until we get a really good, formidable offensive line that gels with them, and it sounds like talking to these guys that it takes a few years, whatever, I still think we cannot ultimately uh, grade Fields out. I do think he yeah. takes a huge step forward this year, but I just don't think you're going to see those gaudy – Four or five thousand yards. You know, he might get close to four thousand this year, but I don't see the four thousand, five thousand yards come out yet. You know, he's got to remember how to be a pocket passer again instead of yeah. running for his life the entire time. <laughs> so he's probably got some PSD that he's gonna have to deal with back there about people running after him trying to kill him. So right, he's gonna have to, have to learn to trust his guys now and um, rely on his offensive line and be able to. Uh, improve his vision compared to what he was doing last year. So back Amen. to basics for him. Amen. Amen. One thing we know for certain is Brandon Tracks Hyatt is always putting together great shows for uh, Monsters of the Madhouse. Tracks, I know you've been working hard, booking guests for the future. Can you give our, our, our viewers a quick rundown who we have coming up next week? Uh, we got Aaron uh, Lemming coming in next week, and we also have uh, Sean Sierra, who we've had on the show before. Aaron Lemming, I'm really excited. I've been trying for a long time to get him on, and sometimes, you know, you just shake the tree a little bit and something comes down, and other times they're just so busy they don't even feel it, you know. So, uh, but, but you know what? To, tonight I was elated to have Tommy on here. Yeah, He's, like, my yeah. all-time favorite, like, you know – you guys don't understand. Like, I just couldn't, like, if if I could have got Izzy on with him, I'd have been like a little kid in Christmas, you know? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it's so I'm great. trying for you guys, you know? If yeah. you guys if you guys hear anything or know of any contacts, you know, get a hold of me, you know, and we'll, we'll work that out too. But uh, I'm trying for you guys every week, honestly. Absolutely. He's doing a great job, my friend. He's Brandon Jackson. Yes, Executive producer of Chicago Sports Podcast. That is Mike the Foz, Fosno from First and Ten with Foz, and the great American football fan, Matt the Coop Man Cooper. Check him out at Q103.1 FM in Louisville. Also, your variety 103.7 in Birmingham's Mix 97.3. Gentlemen, it's been an honor and privilege. Thanks so much for another great show, guys. 
Take care. Right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have so much fun. Got it tonight. Thank you. Right, you bet, everyone. Good night, Chicago. It's been an honor and privilege. You've been watching Monsters of the Madhouse, brought to you by TC's World of Wonders, a serendipity ice cream parlor, and budget jet cars. For Brandon Trackside, I'm Clay Campbell. Get Even when you feel low, you can still go. Even when you feel slow, you can still go. Even when there's no hope, you can still go. I never answered a no, man, I still go. Go, go. Every single day I'll be making moves Till I'm buried in my grave uh, Through the system I don't wanna be a slave I've been doing shit my way uh, Or the highway And in the driveway Is a nice range Cause I grind through the climb I invite pain You never hear me bitch Nah, I don't complain Just gotta flip the switch And you can go and obtain Anything you want Anything you need Your mind's got the key ingredient It's believe They'll see what the negativity But I just slide right by that Low, you can still go. Even when you feel slow, you can still go. Even when you feel